The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So take your Bibles with me this morning. Let's look at Titus chapter 1. And we're going to read here just the first five verses. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I have appointed thee. So, Paul writes here that the reason he left Titus uh, in Crete was to set in order the things that are needing, and he's talking about setting things in order in the church. So today I want to talk to you about the organization of the church. Now, organization, this is a word used to describe order or discipline. Uh, Its definition is to distribute into suitable parts and appoint proper officers that the whole may act as one body. Now, here in the definition of of organization, again, we see the, the word body used. Uh, last week, last time, if you remember, we looked at the church and uh, defined it as the body of Christ. Uh, we said that God has divinely changed each of us and has bound each of us under the love of Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that word creature can, can rightfully be translated creation. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So upon our salvation, we were, we were made new creatures. We were, we were created into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We have a new nature. And this, of course, we know to be in the context of the manner in which we conduct ourselves, the manner in which we live our lives. We are a new creature. We don't, we don't live, we should not, let me put it that way, we should not live the way we did before we were saved. Um, we, have, we have new desires. In John chapter 15 and verse 7, we read, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So we have, we have first new desires. Uh, the reason we have new desires is because that part of us, or a part of us, has been changed. It's been made new. We no, longer, we no longer desire to do the things we used to do. Now, if, I, if, if I'm saved and I can continue to do the things I used to do without any remorse or without any regret or without any conviction, then I better be careful because something's wrong. Because a new, the new creature within us, we have new desires. We, we want to be in church. We, we want to uh, fellowship with the brethren. 
We want to read our Bible. We want to pray. We want to tell others about Jesus Christ. So our desires are new. Whereas we desire to sin, we now desire to be sanctified. We desire to please the Lord. We desire to satisfy the flesh, but now we want to please God. So we are a new creature in our desires. But not only do we have new desires, but secondly, we have new ambitions. New ambitions. Philippians chapter 3, in verses 7 and 8, we read, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. We have new ambitions. Before I, I got saved, I was a, I was a contractor. I, my father and I owned a construction business, and I had big plans. I had big plans. We were very well known in our area. We were very well respected, and and um, when people wanted to build a new home, the first person they called was my dad and myself. And I had, a, I had great opportunity there. And I got saved. And when I got saved, my ambitions changed. No longer did I, no longer did I have the ambition to become the, the biggest contractor in the area. I now had the ambition to serve the Lord. I had the ambition to be an ambassador for Christ. And I started a bus route. And one morning, my father called me into the office and said, Son, I'm concerned. You're out there in these buses on Sunday with these kids, and if you have an accident and they sue you, they could come after the company, come after the business. I said, I understand, Dad. So I said, I picked up the phone right there, and I called our attorney. And I made an appointment. And I told him, I said, get the papers ready. I'm coming in today and I'm signing over all of my part of the business. And I did. And dad tried to talk me out of it, but I wasn't going to be held. I wasn't going to be held captive. Why did I do that? Because I'm some great guy? No, I did that because my ambitions changed. When I was born again, within me was a new nature, a new creature who, who longed to serve and satisfy the Lord. So I did. I, I, I gave up my work in the business and, and, and I just went out and found myself a job that I could work five days a week and, and serve the Lord. Our ambitions change. Paul said what things were gained to me. And listen, Paul gave up a lot. Did, did you ever study the life of Paul? He gave up a lot. He was a, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was on his way up politically he was going to be the big man. He, he possibly may have even become high priest. He, gave, he said, what things were, were gained for me, I counted as loss. All for the excellency of no, the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Folks, that's what we need in America today. We need Christians who have the ambition to be servants of Christ more than they have to be CEOs or, 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 or um, important and powerful politicians and things such as that. We need to have an ambition again, an ambition for God. Uh, I have an IRA today, an IRA. It's this. It's an individual rapture appointment. I have an IRA, and my ambition is to meet the Lord and to have him look at me and say, well done, 
thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want. I want nothing else. But not only do we have new desires, new ambitions, thirdly, as a new creature, we have new expectations. New expectations. In Psalm 27, we read, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, and my foes came up, came upon me to eat up, I gotta turn the page, to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. As new creations through Christ, each of us must realize that we are given a purpose in the church. There are new expectations. I have new expectations of myself, but more importantly, the Lord has expectations of me. And as a child of God, as a new creature, I must strive daily to meet those expectations. Now, we are a part of this body. And as a part of this body, we must each perform the task expected of us. As part of the body of Christ, each of us must behave as expected. Again, consider your body for a moment. I expect my heart to beat. If my heart doesn't beat, I'm going to have problems. So I'm depending on my heart today to beat. I'm depending on my liver to do whatever a liver does. I'm not sure what a liver does, but whatever it does, I hope it keeps on doing it. I know what my stomach does, and I'm expecting it to be busy every day. My brain and every part of me. But not only that, even my skin cells, even what is seemingly unimportant. Uh, everything has a purpose, and, and I expect each, everything to do what it's supposed to do. And the same is true in the church. Each of you have a purpose in the church, and we expect you to fulfill that purpose. Now, earlier, we read the definition of the word organize. It was to distribute into suitable parts and appoint proper officers that the whole may act as one body. Now, in the first part of this definition, is to distribute into suitable parts. Uh, one of the first keys to organization is to establish divisions. Uh, if, you are, if you are a manager in a company, you understand that a, a business has has different departments, different divisions. And in order for a business to function well, those, those departments and divisions must be organized. Without divisions in any endeavor, the result is an overlap of authorities. If you don't separate things out, you'll find the janitor making financial decisions for the company. Why? Because he can, because there's no division for that, right? So if it's not organized, you'll have chaos. Uh, confusion arises among those who are trying to get a job done. Now in 1 Corinthians 14.33, we read, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God's not the author of confusion, and God does not want confusion in the church. He does not want chaos in the church. Therefore, we must organize the church. Uh, 
So number one on your study sheet is this. The church must be organized in its authority. The church must be organized in its authority. Now, in our present day society, authority is not a very popular word. People tend to reject authority. They do not like to be told what to do. I've noticed over the last decade or so, employees show up for work late, and if you call them out on it, they're like, I'm here, aren't I? Aren't you satisfied with that? Uh, they, they reject the, the, the authority, they reject boundaries, they reject all these things. And why is that? Well, it's because they were raised that way. Um, and I don't want to get off into that, because that's a different story altogether. But let's turn together to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn with me, if you would. Just a short trip to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll begin at verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now have God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that therefore there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracle, have all the gift of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and, and, yet show, and, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So we see here uh, that God has organized the church in, in, in its structure. In verse 28, Paul states that God has set the church in order by its authorities. This would be uh, the chain of command, if you will. Uh, now, the military has a chain of command. I had to memorize this chain of command, and I had to abide by this chain of command when I was in the military. At the very top of the list is the commander-in-chief, the president of the United States. Then second, there's the secretary of defense. Then the national security advisor. Next, the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff. Then the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Base Commanders, the Unit Commanders, Company Commanders, Duty Commanders, and Non-Commissioned 
supervisors. And that's the organizational structure of the military. Down there at the bottom would be the private. And if the private has a problem, he has to go to the non-com supervisor. If the non-com supervisor can't fix it, he goes to the duty commander. If the duty commander can't fix it, he goes to the company commander and right up the line until it's resolved. But each department has authority over the other department. Now, we understand that the military is not a democracy. Many times in my years in the military, I, I heard it said, we are here to preserve democracy, not practice it. You don't get a vote. You do what I tell you. However, the structure by which the soldier in the field derives his authority is an organized structure. So what is the structure of the church regarding this authority? Well, I put a list there for you, and this is, these are the blanks. First, there's the Godhead. That would be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. That is the very head of the, of the organizational authority in our church. Next would be the Word of God. You understand the Word of God is our final authority in all matters of life. Whatever the Word of God says, we obey. Next is the pastor. The third, the third in the order of, of organization would be the pastor. Next would come the leaders in the church. This would be the deacon or the pastoral staff members. Uh, these would be the leaders. Then next comes the little peons. No, no, I'm just kidding. The members. So this is the structure of the church. It's organized in its authority. Now, before we try to change this order, before we try to manipulate it, we need to remember what was said in verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. God organized the church according to his own will and pleasure. As it pleased him, according to his sovereign will, without consulting any other. And more so, each person that God has organized stands in the best position they could be put. And for the greatest service and usefulness to the whole body. You know, we all like to think that we're the sharpest knife in the drawer, right? Right? We all like to think that. We all like to think, hey, I'm great. I'm smart. I'm good looking. I'm, 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 a, I'm a leader. Everybody wants to feel that way. But you know, God knows you better than you know yourself. And what God has done is he has put you where you need to be within that organizational structure. If the pastor comes to you and asks you to do something in the church, do it. Say yes, counter the privilege, and do it. I told Brother Gary this many times. One of my biggest failings is the ability to say no. Over the years, when when pastor or someone has come to me and said, "Would you would you do this?" Sure, I'll do it. I may not know how. You may have to show me how, but I'm willing to do it. Sometimes I look back. I should have just said no. I won't do it. But. I don't know, to me, a Christian should never say no when it comes to an opportunity to serve the Lord. We should gratefully take it. I've heard people come to me and say, oh, I've done my share, let someone else do it now. Well, that's a poor attitude for a Christian. 
You mean to tell me you've, you've, you've done all you should ever have to do for God? You, you, you've done so much that you don't need to do anymore? No, 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 no. We have, it's a great privilege for us to serve the Lord, and we should do that. So God, and not man, has set every member in the church. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, we read, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. He has set them in the place, and part of it, as he himself, God, deems fit. Some in a higher, others in a lower station. But all for the good of the body. And by the way, I, I think everybody ought to do something in the church. I think everybody ought to do something. I, I think of John right here. Every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, John gets here and goes and grabs the mail. And brings it in the church office. Is that a, is that a list on our official list of duty? No, but John does it. it it's, his, it's his service. It's what he does. It's what he does. And there are so many things like that. Uh, you know, I came out here one day, and, I, and allow me to nitpick for a moment. I came out here one day and I, I put marks on the floor because not everyone knows how these pews need to be set. And I come here often and I see the pews all out of shape and I say, man, there's marks on the floor. How hard would it be to line them up correctly? But nobody does. Nobody does it. There are so many things that you know, my daddy raised me. If I'm walking across the parking lot and I see a piece of paper, he taught me to pick that up. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Don't depend on someone else to do what you see needs to be done. Do it. Well, I might offend someone if I do their job. Well, then apologize later, but do it. Oh, there's so many things that need to be said right now, and I, I don't have time. But we need to just learn to, to do. God has set us in this body, and he has given us uh, responsibilities, and we need to just be content with what we do, and, but do it to the best of our abilities. 1 Corinthians 12, we read, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. And therefore each member ought to be content with his place and usefulness. Since it is the wise counsel and sovereign pleasure of God who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that so it should be. So rejoice in the structure of our church. Be happy, be content to do your part. If you're a deacon, be loyal and faithful. Be dependable. Uh, be honorable. If you're not a deacon, be loyal, be faithful, be dependable. Be honorable. Doesn't matter. And by the way, I know our deacons, and they're not all puffed up because they're a deacon. They're humble servants. Of course, they get a lot of mud slung at them. Because every time we don't like something, oh, deacons. Well, how would you do if you were in there? Huh? 
And by the way, if you want to be a deacon, run for it. Get your, get your, your whole family and your friends to nominate you. Get on the ballot. You might be sorry you did. You'd probably be sorry you did. Be content. Listen. It's very important that we respect the organization of the church concerning its authorities. Um, I'm, I, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to keep. All right, we're going to keep moving. Uh, so we, we see that the church is organized in its authorities. Secondly, the church must be organized in its priorities. In its priorities. Revelation chapter 2, we read, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Sounds good, doesn't it? Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. This church at Ephesus was doing, was certainly doing the right things. The Lord even commended him for it. But Jesus also told them their priorities were wrong. He said, you left your first love. You got things out of order. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So you see, there's, we can see from these passages of scriptures that I just read that there are, there are things that need to be done orderly, but they need to be done in order. They need to be organized as to their priorities. You know, when, we, when my father and I would build a house, my father, is a, he, he was a master craftsman. He, he, would, he built furniture. As a matter of fact, when he retired from the construction business, uh, for years, he, he had a little shop in his backyard and he restored furniture. And he, he was a furniture maker. He, he could take a piece of wood and just do beautiful things with it. And my daddy loved to build cabinets. And he built, people would, people would wait a year to have cabinets built by my father. And he, he built hand, handcrafted kitchen cabinets in your house, not, not some place and then bring them in and hacksaw them and get them to fit. He built them in place. But when we built a house, we didn't, from day one, he didn't say, okay, son, I'm going to go ahead and start on the cabinets. No. We ain't going to start on the cabinets. We don't, even, we don't even have a frame yet. You have to do things in order. We had to, we had to start by, by pouring the foundation. And then after the foundation, we had to frame the house. And then after we framed it, we had to close it in and put the windows in and the doors and put the siding on 
and, and finish all of that. Then we go inside and we start finishing the inside of the house and the flooring and the ceiling and all of these things. And then, then the last thing he would do is build the cabinets. Must be done in order. And so it is with the church. Things must be prioritized within the church. Otherwise, the least important things may overshadow the most important things. What are the most important things in the church? Someone tell me, what's, what's one of the most important things for the church to do? Evangelize. And in a lot of churches today, it's, it's last on the list. What did Jesus tell the first church? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus said, now that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. Listen, the primary purpose of the church is evangelization, to, to, to evangelize a lost world. Yet in most churches today, it's way down the list. And we have to have the right organization. Uh, ladies Bible study night, or, or, and I'm not picking at things, but just to name a few, uh, social club events, Father's Day luncheon, these things all in churches, if we're not careful, those things become the big deal. And things like preaching and teaching. Listen, I know people over the years, I know people don't come to preaching, but will be at every social activity. Everyone. They'll never miss a social function, but they won't come to hear the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Why? Because their priorities are wrong. They're more worried about fun than, than being fed by the Word of God. So we have to be careful with priorities. Um, in Titus, we read earlier, to Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So there's lots of things that are important. Eating is important. I love eating. I love to eat chicken. I never met a chicken I didn't like. Fried chicken. Baked chicken, barbecued chicken, any way you cook chicken, I like it. Someone once said, you, you are what you eat. I said, well, I'm a six foot, 240 pound chicken. <laughs> I love pork. Pork chops, pork loins, pork ribs, pork sausage. I love to eat pork. But have you ever heard of salmonella? What about trichinosis? You see, I love to eat chicken and I love to eat pork, but there are some things that are priority before I eat them. They have to be prepared correctly. Otherwise, I can get sick. I could even die. So when we talk about the church, uh, these social activities are great. I love to attend social activities. However, social activities do not take priority over evangelization. They do not take priority over preaching and teaching. We do not cancel Wednesday evening services to go to a baseball game or a football game or a basketball game. We do not schedule a retreat on Sundays. We do not help our neighbors move on Sunday. The neighbor says, hey, I need your help to move. Okay, I'll help you Saturday. Well, I, I, the only day I can do it is Sunday. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, Sunday's the Lord's Day. I have to be in church. What are you going to do, a good thing instead of doing the right thing? We have to be careful. My body also functions based upon priorities. There are three circulatory systems. There's the pulmonary or the heart system, the coronary or the veins and arteries, and the systemic or the neurological system of the body. 
These all work together to carry oxygen and nutrients to the many parts of my body. But when necessary, these systems will prioritize the distribution of this blood flow. That's why someone once told me, don't don't eat before you preach. I said, why? They said, because your your brain will send the blood to your stomach instead instead of keeping it up in your head, and you won't be able to think so straight. I don't know if that's true or not. It sounds good, so I never eat before I preach. But I don't know that that's true. If anyone knows for sure, let me know, okay? Because I, I wouldn't mind having an omelet before I teach on Sunday morning. But the church must be organized in its priorities. The first and foremost responsibility of the church is to love, honor, and obey God. God demands our obedience before our sacrifice. Samuel reminded Saul of this in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22 where it says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Yet many churches today, which are, are not churches in truth, would place works, even those that would violate biblical principles, ahead are higher in priority than obedience to God. We see it all the time. We must understand that the church must be organized scripturally in its priorities. We must accept our role in this body and be willing to do that which we are called to do. Now we go back to our definition and I'll finish to distribute into suitable parts and appoint proper officers that the whole may act as one body. Only then can the church function as God would have it function. We must be organized in our authorities. And we must be organized in our priorities. So let us remember this as we uh, walk our daily lives concerning the church and its organization. All right, folks. I'm going to go ahead and stop. It's 10 till. Thank you for being here today. And you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.